Hey, this is Michael Rosso for the Film Photography Podcast, episode number 102. It's May 1st, 2014, and this is a very special show. What show? Later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by Jersey Boys, John Fideli, Dane Johnson, and Mark Dalzell for our roundtable. But first, let's get right into a very special interview. FPP correspondent Vivian Lee interviewed the gents behind the new black and white instant film, 4x5 film. It's called New 55. Maybe you've heard the buzz about this. This is new 4x5 instant film, and these gentlemen are raising money to get this project independently jump-started from the ground up. Let's get right into it. Take it away, Vivian. I'm speaking to Bob and Sam from the new 55 project, which is trying to bring back a version of the classic Polaroid Type 55 instant film. Why don't you introduce yourself and let us know what's your role in the project? My name is Bob Crowley. I'm the instigator, uh, I think, of New 55. I run a small research and development laboratory. I'm also an avid amateur large format photographer. And a few years ago, when Polaroid discontinued Type 55 film, I, I, like many other people, were sad to hear it. And so I started looking into the possibility of making our own version. And I'm Sam Heiser. I'm the project CEO, and I also am an avid amateur photographer and large format person, and am just thrilled to be working with Bob, collaborating on this project that has a lot of meaning for those of us who are seeking materials that are flexible and sublime and also a little bit unpredictable. Can you tell us maybe a little bit more about the New 55 project? How long has it been going for and what have you done so far? We started in 2010 as almost a dare or a challenge. I was on Twitter, and one of the people on the Impossible Project said that they weren't going to do 4x5. So I just popped in with a tweet saying, oh, I think I'll try it. And I was sort of half joking, but then I got very interested in this technique that is used in type 55 film, and in fact, black and white uh, instant film in general, that was invented in Germany called diffusion transfer reversal. DTR. The DTR process was invented by a woman named Edith Vida when she worked for AGFA in the 1940s or actually late 1930s. And so after researching all this, I became very fascinated in the chemicals and the chemistry and the magic of how you take a photographic negative and turn it into an instant positive. Over the course of a couple of years, I blogged regularly about my progress researching this and was shocked to find that hundreds and hundreds of people started pleading, please, please make this a reality. So after a few false starts and scrounging around trying to get the money to put this together, because it does take quite a bit of money to start up any project and especially something like this, we finally joined forces and Sam Heiser came on as the project CEO and uh, now we're running this Kickstarter project. So do you guys know each other from previously already? <laughs> Sam? Well, I was just like anybody else stumbling on Bob's blog for the New 55 film back in, for me, it was probably late 2011, maybe 2012. And what struck me as powerfully about the material, the content he was putting up, the examples of the photography he was getting from his New 55 samples was the decision he had made to more or less open source his approach to the developing this thing 
To me, that was intelligent because there was a lot of latent information in the community here around Boston. There are a fair number of retired Polaroid employees, and the way Polaroid worked, the information about the products, the technical information, was not shared that widely. So everybody had a lot of deep knowledge about very specific things. And I think Bob was very clever to um, use the blog to share what he was learning and to ask for help from people. And he's very good at that, at leveraging others. Let me tell you. Uh, um, but um, I was just another person stumbling on the blog, a photographer, 4x5 sheet film user, who saw the quality of what he was getting and also realized that Bob was not just a tinkerer. He was someone with a very significant and substantial quality background as a scientist, a material scientist, and uh, had brought his own inventions, of which he has about 100 patents to his name fully to market. And I think those are admirable traits and qualities and his track record uh, speaks for itself. So this interested me from my business perspective, but also from my creative perspective as a photographer. I basically commented on a couple of things and Bob and I got talking, we became friends. and It went from one thing to another. I wanted to stay focused on the technology. And I think that if I tried to divert away from the technology, which is difficult, and try to manage the rest of the program, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm grateful to Sam for stepping in and taking over that role. And by the way, he has quite a lot of technical input too. So he's a good match with it your is. different roles. When we talk about Polaroid 55, this film is no longer made anymore, so maybe not everybody would have used it. What's so special about Polaroid Type 55? 55 was especially valuable because it was first developed by Ansel Adams. It did more than the typical Polaroid product did. In fact, it did twice as much. It produced a picture in 4 by 5 inches, but it also produced a negative. And it wasn't just any negative. It was a very special type of high-quality, high-resolution negative, unlike any other kind of negative that photographers could get. So it developed quite a following. And it was so convenient to use. You don't need a darkroom. Stick it in the camera, expose it, pull a lever, pull the pot out, wait a minute or two, and peel it apart, and you're ready to go. So that's a very, very high appeal. In 2008, when Type 55 went out of production, there was a run on it, and quite a few people still have some in their refrigerators. But that's running out now. Did it produce an image that was different from negative that uses conventional darkroom developing processes? It does. It does. It has a different tonality, which, to my eye, is more acute, sharper, has a different and appealing tone scale to it and a different dynamic range to it. And that's because of the way it's processed. Instead of taking a negative and dipping it into developer and then into stop bath and then into fixer, it uses a material which we refer to as the reagent. But the reagent is just what's also referred to in the photographic community as a monobath. The monobath has all the chemicals in it. By the way, none of them are very toxic that are needed to both develop the image and also fix the image all in one complete step. And when it does that, it doesn't agitate. It just does it very locally on each molecule of film. This preserves the detail. It doesn't spread it out. And it produces these wonderful artistic edge effects, very fine, that you may not see right away in the pictures, but then as you look at it or if you zoom in close, which I like to do, you can see these highly detailed, very pleasing shapes and forms that come of it. 
Polaroid 55 wasn't the only type of large format film that came with a negative. Type 51, I believe, also has a reusable negative. Why do you think it is that 55 has embedded itself in the mind of photographers in a way that 51 hasn't? It's because the unique characteristics of the 55 having a cubic grained negative, which was based upon a Kodak material called Panatomic X, and Panatomic X is no longer in production. It has this very classic 1950s, 1960s grayscale that today is very much sought after. So, is the toner range is different? Yes, very much so. It's a very appealing on skin. It looks beautiful. Skies, landscapes, glamour shots, product shots. It has a completely different look than other black and white materials. Okay, so the two negatives are by nature different. Yes, they are. We talked about some of the great qualities of Polaroid Type 55. Are you going to get any of this in the new 55 film? We have our own set of attributes, and they're different. We realized early on, or I realized early on, that we weren't going to be able to duplicate what 55 did because the materials are no longer available. For instance, the negative that was supplied to Polaroid by Kodak is no longer made. So we had to find a new negative material, new chemicals, and we had to find new receiver sheets and processing criteria and steps and Dimensions that resulted in a different look, and so there are two major differences between new 55 and old 55. First, new 55 produces a balanced positive and negative. Old 55, you had to shoot either for the positive or for the negative. They right. were about a stop or so apart, and so if you wanted a really good negative, you had to overexpose the positive. New 55 overcomes that. The second one is that that New 55 doesn't have the characteristic border that Old 55 had. Some people think that's good. Some people think it's bad. The New 55 border, which surrounds the picture frame, has a look more like the 20 by 24 camera produces. It's more organic. I think more sensual and has a very high appeal too. Okay, so you can basically get a usable negative and a good print at the same time because they're rated at the same ISO, as yes. opposed to the old Polaroid 55 didn't, and you have to sacrifice one or the other. That's correct. Old 55 had quite a few components to it that you threw away. We weren't able to eliminate all of them, but some of them have been reduced so that when you do have remnants left over, they're fewer in number and don't take up as much space. So it's better for the environment. Does that mean you? That's the end of the days where you have to bring a rubbish bag with you when you shoot instant peel apart? A, a much smaller rubbish bag. Okay. Another thing that New 55 seems to be able to be good at is you can pull process it. You can peel it early, and you can solarize the negative and try all kinds of artistic effects that are really fun and have a good look to them. And we haven't even begun to explore these. So there's a tons of potential that you can play with if we had the film available. It's like a window into an unseen world. Are there any advantages in image quality compared to if we use a conventional negative? Yes, the idea of using a four by five negative. Of course, means that you have a much bigger picture area, and the dynamics of, of a large negative is sort of like the improved dynamics that we see in the ever-increasing size of digital SLR sensors. As the sensors go up, things get better, and so four by five, of course, is many, many times bigger than one of these sensors. The equivalent megapixel count is about 200 plus, but that's really not what matters. It's the perspective and the ratio of the picture size and the lens to the subject that produces a particular appeal of large format photography in general. But would we have an advantage with the new 55 as opposed to a large format film from Ilford or Kodak? Yeah, because many, many more people are going to be able to use it. Lots of people who don't have dark rooms. 
which I don't have a darkroom. I rely on instant film in order to get this process done. And I have a darkroom, and I have access to darkrooms, and I still crave and look forward to having New 55 around because it does produce such a good negative that I can use it to make uh, gel silver prints. I can contact print it in every different kind of alternative process using a contact frame and handmade emulsions too. And when you make a capture, you get this object, this very special, precious material thing that has a social and an emotional, spiritual component that is an artifact from the experience and that people can share together in the, in the way that we've become accustomed to. Where we talked about Bob, you're a material scientist, and both of you have a certain artistic interest in this. This is a really, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. It's very technical. What other qualities or what are there in your background that makes you the best people to make this happen? I've had a long history of inventing and bringing to market things that are impossible. One of them is intravascular ultrasound. This tiny catheter that goes into the coronary arteries of the heart in order to take pictures. And by the way, a lot of it was developed with my friends in Rotterdam at Erasmus University. And so we worked on IVUS in the 1980s. IVUS, which is intravascular ultrasound. And we were able to produce a picture of clogged heart arteries. And this allowed doctors to assess the condition of patients with heart attacks and with blockages, and then led to the adoption of stents and other therapies. And it became a very, very huge industry. At first, when I said I was going to do this, I went before the American Institute of Ultrasound and Medicine, and I said, I'm going to put this tiny transducer down into a person's beating heart. And they screamed at me, you can't do this. This will kill the patient. It will never work. All the things that you can imagine. Two or three years later, we demonstrated it after a tremendous amount of effort and R&D development of miniaturization and inventing all new materials. And today, it is a staple. It's used every day in hospitals around the world. Are you someone who likes to prove other people wrong? No, you know, I'm not like that, really. Although I have learned that if people are saying you can't do that, then I think, well, maybe that means that other people are not trying to do that. So maybe I have a little advantage because they don't believe it can be done. And yet I think it can be done rationally, not out of belief, not out of emotion, just out of technical knowledge. My view of that, this is Sam, is, is it's, it's about Bob's personality, and I think it's a very important point to make, is that Bob is a very curious person, almost like he has, he's sort of ageless. I can't tell you his age, but uh, <laughs> he's childlike in his curiosity and his energy. And also, he's irreverent to the extent that's healthy. If you are going to go into situations where there's a lot of people willing to put forward their opinion about received wisdom, and so Bob is willing to, you know, ask the right questions for himself and, and a challenge receive wisdom and so his personality is, is a great combination of traits that quite explain his track record of success bringing these unusual things to life I just have one more thing to add to that just so that it's not just about me. And that is that I'm a stage setter. I like to set the stage for other people to succeed in. Creating a new film very much does that. It allows people to potentially realize their artistic vision, for instance. And it also, as a project, has allowed participants like Sam and like many of the other people and even you to become part of the project. It was mentioned before that Twitter, in a way, got you into 
all this trouble because from the impossible projects discussion thread let's say your project has parallels with the impossible project because you're both trying to bring back to market products that Polaroid had discontinued but from what I see it you guys have kind of an even more impossible job because what the impossible project had was they had quite a few resources in place when they started they had machinery they had a factory with knowledgeable staff who's worked for Polaroid for much of their lives SX70 and the Polaroid 600 were popular consumer cameras so there's still a lot of them working hardware out there if they made a film for it what well, was they had those they had those things going for it I didn't mean to interrupt you but I know Florian Caps and Andre Bozman and the rest out there I've got to know them rather well and I visited the factory and I'm aware of the technology and yes they did have all those things and there were some other lucky breaks too like for instance the town of Enskede took over the plant and didn't know what to do with it so this but, is the city where the factory is based in that's correct but that being said, what they did and what they are still doing is one of the greatest achievements in technology that I've ever seen. For instance, there was this one person who told me she had to go around to all the junkyards in Holland and all in Germany where Polaroid had scrapped much of the equipment and go dig through the piles of junk, find the equipment and bring it back to the plant so they could reinstall it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was Florian Kapp's vision. He's a very dynamic person. He's been involved in photography and lamography, and he's a, also a great merchandiser. He's also a very smart and very shrewd guy. He's moved on from the Impossible Project, and you know that's the natural course of things. They are succeeding. They are going to succeed, and their sales, I understand, are good. So our project is much smaller in scale. We reach a far smaller number of people. But on the other hand, it's people who do have a little bit more money available to pay per shot because the value that they're getting per shot, a positive and a negative, is about double, let's say. And it seems to me that anyone who comes across a 4x5 camera, which there are lots of them out there, there are millions and millions of them, and they all still work perfectly. There's still new ones being made. And there are still new ones being made, yes. Although I don't know why you'd want one, because the old ones are much cheaper on eBay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I want to live off. Oh, okay, all right, well, we'll get you one. But the first thing you ask is, can I get film for this? And what do I have to do to make it work? And I'm curious, and they look into the, they open the lens and lift up the ground glass and take a look inside and see this magic image. Wow. Yeah, and I still get that, by the way. Even today, after many decades of peering through glass, I still get that response. And I have the expensive Nikon DSLRs, too, and the fine lenses, and they're all great, and I wouldn't give them up, but they're just completely different. The experience of seeing is something that is a human trait that is immeasurable. So we, we don't, this is Sam, we don't see this going out of style. I think these cameras are around for people to use and to, to discover and young people and perhaps increasingly young people come to this. Yes. Bob has some ideas about the history of optical photography or what he calls projection plane photography that I found very interesting. And I think if you look at the potential for using different materials, including analog or digital materials to make pictures, the future is bright past is not very distant. Photography has only just begun, and this gives us a lot of encouragement. Yeah, we, I agree. We have a parallel. Ten years ago, I started Crowley and Tripp ribbon microphones, and it was an attempt to bring the analog back into digital recording. Everybody remembers the early days of CDs and how bad they sounded when they switched over to digital. It was awful. We developed microphones and ways to bring the analog back. 
Did it mean everything went back to analog? No, it was part analog and part digital. These microphones, which had this beautiful analog sound, it were like lenses for sound, allowed producers and musicians to record their music in such a way so that when it was presented through the digital medium, the quality came through. And the same thing happens, quite surprisingly, when we take a 4x5 new 55 negative and show it on the screen of a laptop or even a portable device. Somehow, our perception goes beyond the megapixels to the very core qualities of the initial image itself. And this is called the front-end effect. Hi-Fi enthusiasts are also familiar with the front-end effect, where if you use a very good turntable, for example, playing good vinyl, you can use lower and lower quality amplifiers and speakers from the front end on and still get that palpability of the, the feeling of the rosin of the bow on the strings. And I think that's the area in which we're dwelling, and it's where we prefer to be. So having these different ways of doing this, what seems like the same thing adds a richness to what you can produce. Absolutely. The emotion that you can capture is often fleeting, and sometimes it's necessary to capture it the very first step what you do. I was exploring Flickr as maybe back in 05, let's say. The film photographers were having all the fun. The people who were using cross-processing or have, you know, they discovered their dad's old Nikon F2 in the, in the basement and were starting to make pictures and get them processed or developing their own negatives in, in their dark room or whatever it was. They were so much more involved on a deep level. And I was noticing the passion of this. And I was experiencing it myself while using digital and having had analog experience. It's not a superficial thing to be interested in film these days or ever. I think people are beginning to realize what the difference is and it's not to uh, discount digital at all because there's many many good uses for that and it's such an immediate feedback system that it's a good learning tool too but so is peel apart instant large format monochrome material like New 55. Not to make you think however that we just like antiques that's a traditional process and there are other traditional photographic processes is like wet plate that you hear about people using and they're very much heralded. But we're also modernists too. When you take a process like the diffusion transfer reversal process, which is near dying, nobody's going to make it. Is that the way the image transfers from the negative to the print? What do you mean by that? What That's is right. It? That's okay. what it is. It's a special process, which is like a battery. It's an electrochemical process, and you can't read about it anywhere because Polaroid never published any of the details. They kept everything a secret, which is one of the reasons why these things die so easily is because companies keep these things so secret. The diffusion transfer reversal process has relevance today in things like medical imaging or in nanotechnology. It's really one of the original nanotechnologies. The, the few papers of land from Polaroid that talk about the microscope formation of the colors or the black and white image really are talking about nanotech, self-assembly, and things of that nature, which are very much in the news today. So let's bring it up to now. As you mentioned quite earlier on in the interview about the Kickstarter project that you have, what are you trying to achieve with the Kickstarter? I think we're trying to show market viability. We have to show market strength, and we have to show that there's enough of a demand for new materials like this in order to create the infrastructure and then continue production on beyond that. It's not a one-time thing. It's sort of like setting up a restaurant, and then you have to continue to offer meals day after day after day. We want to be able to do that for a very long period of time. So the Kickstarter goal is intentionally a bit high 
and we are looking for enough money to be able to not only fulfill the awards that people would get, but also to be able to purchase, build, design, develop the machinery that we would need to go forward. Would you say you've done about four, five years of research before you got up to this point where you're ready to have this Kickstarter campaign? That's right, and there's still more work to be done. What sort of resources did you have when you started out, and what milestones have led to this stage? The first diffusion transfer reversal demonstration that I did here on my own, to Sam's point about me being a little kid, I actually bounced up and down, <laughs> and all and skipped all over the all over the lab, bouncing up and down like I don't know what. As I peeled this thing apart and saw the picture, so after a lot of trial and error and messing around, and trying different things and buying stuff on eBay and through Amazon and some of the surplus, I'm lucky to have a laboratory here. And in this laboratory, we've developed antennas, guitar pickups, microphones, medical devices, all kinds of things. And so we're lucky we have some tools and, and a space to work. The first milestone was to produce a diffusion transfer reversal image. That came in about a year or a little bit less than a year. Then the next milestone was that 20 by 24 photography. John Ruder and his gang, Ted McClelland and Afisa Zad, came and became very close friends of ours and helped us because they have the big 20 by 24 Polaroid camera that uses some of the same technology, and they'd like to have some of this new film available too. So we worked together, and they gave us many, many valuable tips as well as some materials to use. After that, we started making packs of new 55 film and sending them out to some of our close collaborators to. Bias Feltis was an early one. Polly Chandler and quite a few others. Zoe Wiseman is another. And they came back and they said, "This is awesome." And despite the fact that some of them had flaws in them and not everyone worked because they were handmade, they encouraged us to go on. At that point, we started looking around for a way to finance this and went through all types of routes. And to be perfectly honest, I was not very much in favor of the Kickstarter program, only because we knew that we had to ask for a lot of money for a Kickstarter program, and so I was hesitant to do that. But so many people heard us on. I said, you know something? Even if we don't make it, we will have still brought forth diffusion transfer reversal technology to people and made them aware of it. Because afterwards, no matter what happens, we're going to be doing workshops. We're going to be out there working with photographic materials and talking with people and making images. And so this will be valuable. Nonetheless, no matter what happens. So you mentioned that the Kickstarter goal was set deliberately high. What is the figure you are trying to achieve? Four hundred thousand dollars U.S. You can buy a house with that. Not much of a house <laughs> around Boston. But oh. Yes, it is a substantial. It is it is a very substantial amount of money, and yet in manufacturing, unfortunately, it's very expensive to set up manufacturing facilities. How did you arrive at this figure? We backed into it. It's the cost of the materials and the machinery, and also the labor that we will have to bring in. And actually, it's a pretty small sum. It's still going to require uncompensated time by me and Sam to bring it about. In 2011, I interviewed Andre Bosman, who's one of the co-founders of the Impossible Project, and he looks after the factory production side. He said to me, and this is a quote from him: "A machine would have been impossible from a financial point of view. Rebuilding a new machine is at least 20, probably 30 million euros. Nobody is going to give me that kind of money for some crazy idea." 
Well, Andre knows what he's talking about because he's an expert, and I have the highest possible respect for Andre and his technical capability and what he achieved there. And so he was fortunate to have machines that were not too taken apart, not in too bad a shape to restart the project. We have no machines at all. We have to do everything by hand and, and create new machines. But our process is simpler to produce than the integral film that Impossible makes. Ours can be partly done on machines, and then final assembly can be done in dark chambers by hand efficiently. So our machinery requirements are nowhere near as big as the Impossible project. I think the assembly line is a little more modular too, so there's components or parts of the process that can be switched in and out depending on how we choose to approach the manufacturing, and some of the processes could be outsourced potentially. So there is a lot of choice, almost a luxury in some areas, and a paucity in others. But this is where Bob really excels, and I think his background is really well suited to the challenges of this. Today, we manufacture a number of products outside of New 55 here from this facility. One of them, for instance, is antenna systems used for wireless microphones, which is, by the way, a really important business for us. And every single day, there is a vendor or a material which is no longer available. So that's the type of thing that happens with film. Perhaps the paper isn't available, or somebody makes a change in a chemical, or there's some process that changes. So you have to be able to keep up on that the whole time. And so it is very challenging to maintain production capacity, especially today with things moving so fast. We hope to stabilize it and do it on a regular basis, and that's one of the reasons why we've balanced the need for Kickstarter rewards and our own machinery and infrastructure needs. Well, I was going to say, if Andre Bossman says it's 20 to 30 million euros, 400,000 US dollars sounds like a bargain. <laughs> well, I suppose if I had been paid for my time so far on this, that might be a million euros. So I think, far. If, yeah, if we were fully costing it, it wouldn't be as low as 400. I think it would be several times that, but we're generous souls. The other thing is that this community has shown itself, particularly the people pledging so far, and everybody's been very generous. And what's more, they really understand that this is, a, is an opportunity to bring back a very important material, not just historically important, but important for the future. And they're taking responsibility on their shoulders, and this is something we admire a great deal. And the response from the community within the Kickstarter project has been pretty phenomenal. And the uh, tendency of people, for example, to increase their pledges on the fly is pretty impressive to me. I know it is I'm, flo I'm floored by the generosity and support of the people. And some of the, the small pledgers, too, who really are not getting any reward except for the satisfaction that they're helping us, we're equally grateful to all of them. So that in itself is affirming enough for us to go forward with large format photographic materials. In any case, the end of the Kickstarter project, if we are successful and we get everything running smoothly, we don't just stop at New 55. We have a number of ideas of some very fascinating new next generation photographic materials that we'd like to be able to talk about and bring into the future. Is this something that has come out of your ideas yourself or something that's based on something that has been discontinued? These are all new ideas, new inventions. New possibilities. Yes. <laughs> if you do achieve your funding, what will be the next phase of the project? How would you proceed the day the after? Panic, the panic phase. <laughs> well, I'm going to have a beer while Bob panics. <laughs> No, actually, actually, let me answer that seriously because that's a question that I don't get asked and I'm glad that you did ask it. What happens at that stage is with money in hand, then I can go seriously to the vendors who we've already lined up and say, okay, we're ready to go now. What's your best price and delivery on this part? 
or when can you get started on developing this part of the process that we still need to have done? I'm ready to write the purchase order. I have the funding here. Let's go and just really start to push it. At this stage, before we have the money to do this, they're polite and they will talk with you, but they'll say, okay, come back when you have the money. So that's what has to happen in the very first stages. So they will take you seriously. That's what yeah, it means. Yeah, serious. Sure, let's go. The gun has fired. The second thing is to bring the working group together. Now, I'm fortunate that we have extra space here at the facility in Ashland, Massachusetts, and it's a nice space. So we're able to, to do a lot of things here. We're going to have to bring in extra hands and some design people who are going to get on their computers and work on SolidWorks to develop some of this machinery. And then we'll have the parts fabricated. We'll put them together here and we'll run and test them. And so these are the types of things that will happen. Also, another thing early stage, we'll finalize the negative that we're going to use. Because we started off with an F-key negative and F-key went out of business, we've had to switch over to a couple of different negatives. And we found by force that we were able to actually use a few more negative materials that are currently available than we thought, which is good. So there are three, perhaps four negative materials that are all going to be usable. Getting the right price and getting the right ones supplied to us in good condition without fog, etc., is going to be a very high priority because in the future, we want to get the price per sheet down to a price level that is affordable by most of the photographers who are interested. You're starting out at a very high per piece price, as you might expect, and then as time goes on and we get better at it and we are able to economize, we should be able to bring the price down. And that's a very important part of a sustained business that we can leverage to produce produce new products from. Uh, Merco, if you're out there listening, Adox is in the running. There's a Kodak product in the running. There's an Ilford product possibly in the running. I think FOMA also qualifies for us. So there's these off-the-shelf sheet films. It's a real blessing that we might be able to use them and we have a choice. They're all beloved emulsion and they make great images. This is great that we don't have to actually make sheet film. Yeah, that would be impossible for us to do right now. And one of the interesting things about these particular emulsions that Sam mentions is that when they are processed using the diffusion transfer reversal process, they take on that magical quality that you don't get with conventional processing. Who's Marco? Mirko. He knows who he is. <laughs> Mirko is the great visionary who is in charge of ADOX. ADOX. Ah, you're using the podcast to send out secret messages. No, no, it's all code, the whole thing. As we speak at the moment, there are 18 days to go in your Kickstarter fundraising. I looked this morning and we've passed 58% of the fundraising period and you have reached 38% of your target funding. The average pledge per person is 150 US dollars. And at this rate, I did a quick calculation, you need 92 to 93 new backers per day pledging a minimum of $150. Do you think you have maximized the publicity and word-of-mouth efforts that you could have to get everybody around you? No, never. There's always room for having done more, and there's always a little regret. But typical structure of Kickstarter experiences is that there's a great big surge at the beginning and a good one at the end, too. So we're going to be relying on a, a grand finale to get across the line. Having said that, I think every day counts, and I want to get this Kickstarter project on a better footing than we are today to be in position to be successful in the last excitement. We have a number of publicity uh, engagements being arranged right now, so we're making a concerted push. 
And thankfully, our community is a very well-defined community. We don't have to do shotgun spray approach. We know who we are in 4x5 users around the world. Thankfully, the Asians, the Taiwanese, the Japanese, and the Chinese have started to come in. Europe has been moderately strong. And, of course, the U.S. is almost carrying it as it should. But, yes, there's always room for more publicity, and your efforts here are a part of that. So are your main backers large-format photographers, would you say? Only. In fact, there are a small number of people who are have admitted that they've just gone and bought their holder and they haven't even got a 4x5 camera yet. So there are some young people, people who are just discovering their medium, who are interested and supportive of us and have actually pledged money in, in the Kickstarter project. But, I mean, by and large, our community is large format 4x5 camera owners or those who wish to own them soon in the future. And, and the possibility of the existence of New 55 Film is a great source of excitement for a good number of people, but not overall a very large number of people. It's worth reminding people that handing your money over on Kickstarter is not like handing over your money on an online shop to pay for tangible goods, is it? That's right. It's a pledge. More like a vote. Yeah, it's quite like a vote. And the money doesn't leave your account if the goal is not reached. Unless, of course, the project is successful, in which case they select a reward. And, of course, there's no limit, no minimum or maximum, starting at a dollar. And you can pledge as much money as, as you have or see fit. And there's no actual top limit. The first level at which people can receive film as a reward is the $75 level. And the top reward level we have in the project, quite a substantial $2,500 reward. Those who pledge $2,500 get to have lunch with Bob Crowley at the Skunk Works. It's actually a pretty good show, and I encourage anybody who is seriously interested in the history and details of technology development today to consider this one, because we really do have a story to tell, and it'll be a great day. I think you also want to keep in mind that Des Filer's potato salad is really, really good. <laughs> Now, when you start offering films in the reward, people start calculating how much they're getting per sheet. But actually, Kickstarter is about making idea, a dream happen by someone who has the vision and the skills to do it, but not necessarily the financial means. I guess we should remember that while we put money into this, we're not necessarily buying films. We're also showing a support for you to make this happen and all the things that go with that. And into the future. Yeah, I think I'm glad you brought it up because the film reward is an icing on the cake. And this is by no means a pre-sale. It's hardly even a purchase. It is more like a barn raising. We New Englanders know what that is quite well, where the community pitches in and pulls on the rope to heave ho. And the result is there is a capacity in existence that wasn't there before. And I think after that is when you can talk about per sheet price, but we're not even willing to do that right now. Another point I think is interesting here is that we feel like we're on the frontier. Crowdfunding, things like Kickstarter, these are in their early stages, and we're seeing them more and more as a way to go around the very large corporations in a way that is powerful and allows more people to participate in and take a type of ownership and pride. Yeah, so we can maybe look at this in a different way. 
at a time when the large established film manufacturers are shrinking their film ranges, photographers who want to shoot films have fewer choices, and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. I'm、and、actually surprised how the choice is still pretty good,、um, <laughs> and it's probably going to go down, and we can count on that probably. Before you had very large companies selling 100 million units of one thing, and now the long tail principle tells us that little end enterprises can sell a few things to their very clearly defined communities. But you could overall, you can still get your 100 million there, and I think you can still do it profitably. And I think that's what we're trying to accomplish. Showing support for a new film product is like turning the table around for film photographers to say that we do support having the choice in variety because we don't want all images to look the same, and that、I、applies、like、that. whether you're a large format photographer or not. You could be sending that kind of message out to photographers who are not large format photographers. Yes, and the option is always there, and there are always people who evolve in their own practices, and people who get even professionals who get tired of everything looking quite the monoculture look of digital. This is a positive enterprise, and this is about options and choice. Artists taking the reins and means of production in their own hands, and it's really affirming. And it also fits my own personal mission in business, since I've been a businessman and a product developer for many decades to support the arts. The arts have done great things for me. I have a degree in fine arts. Support for the arts benefits everyone, including business. And so we think that this is a great way to combine the two. Now, if a scenario we don't want to happen happens and you don't reach the target, what would become of this project that you've spent these years on? What we plan is to keep it open source, and we publish this. We'll hold workshops, and we will make the information available. And we also get the benefit of our better view now of what the marketplace is like and who the supporters are, and be able to reach them with perhaps something else that's a little bit scaled back in the future. So I don't think that this would be the end by any means. If anything, it means that we'll produce something like a book, so that people can do it themselves to some extent, which some have already done, and we've already shown people how to do that. The diffusion transfer reversal process should and must be placed among the so-called alternative photographic processes as we go forward into history. What sort of large-format instant films are there still in production at the moment? The Impossible Project makes some eight by ten, and then that's it. So it's actually the only way for four by five photographers to be able to visualize their image while they're shooting. Today, yes, and it's important to note that for every eight by ten camera that's in the world, there are hundreds and hundreds of four by five cameras. Do you have any final words for someone who's listening to this interview? Maybe、yes. before the sixth of May. Keep it coming. People are commenting every day. You should do this. You should do that. Sometimes we say no. I don't think we should do that. But a lot of times we do take their suggestions, and so we want those. Another thing is, this is an experiment, and I think we've shown already that there is some market strength. A hundred and fifty thousand dollars is a substantial amount to raise online for something as esoteric as a film product. Right, that's what、Despite、you've raised so far. Hundred fifty. Yes, that's correct. And we see these Kickstarter programs that do succeed in the last couple of weeks as everybody finally gets up and steps up to the plate. The one thing that we ask everybody to do is continue to spread the word right up to the very end. And what's the minimum amount someone can contribute to show their support? Any amount, starting at a dollar, and the first box of film comes at seventy-five dollar contribution, and up from there. Okay, so whether you're a large format photographer who wants to be able to buy this film in the future, or wants the mysterious product that Bob might have in his head for the future, or you just want to show a one dollar support for having a variety of film, go and find out on the Kickstarter project. Go and show your support. What's the URL, or how can they find the page? 
You can easily get to it going to Kickstarter and searching for New 55 Film or uh, find us on Facebook by searching for New 55 or New 55 Film. Do you have anything to add that I haven't asked? No, Vivian, thank you very much for this entertaining and informative uh, session. And Bob, thank you. Well, thank you, Vivian. And thank you, Sam. And to those things that I have in my head, those mysterious things, I hope to talk about those soon. Maybe you'll talk to us again another time. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob and Sam. And what you're doing is incredible. And I'm sure everybody who's listening on the Film Photography Project will be behind you. This is Michael Rosso at the FPP Studio. It's very important that all of us band together to get behind film. And when there is a group of folks who are making new film or bringing back a format, it's so important that we all rally and help to get this made, which is why we should all go to Kickstarter. Just go to the Google and type in New 55. The Google. And you will see the link for the new 55 Kickstarter. They need to raise $400,000 by Monday, May 5th, 2014, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please do check out the site, and please do consider contributing. We'll be right back. She's too beautiful for words. Take a picture. When he's too wonderful for words, take a picture. When it's too exciting for words, take a picture. Even when it's too much for words. Well, even then, take a picture. For a picture tells what words cannot express. And a picture remembers when words might soon forget. So whatever it is you want to say most, say it now in pictures. This week, get a roll or two of Kodak film in the familiar Kodak box. Hey, we're back. Uh, this has been a really special show. You know, hearing from the gentlemen who are doing the new fifty-five film here in the studio. I have Dane and what's up, <laughs> Mark Dalzell. Hey, and John. And I don't know if you guys are aware. For folks out there listening, of the folks sitting at the tables, is it just myself and Mark shooting four by five here at the table? Or yes, it is. So this is the holder that will hold the new fifty-five film. Should this Kickstarter? get funded and they make the film mm-hmm. and right now you could buy expired polaroid film do you own some of that mark uh no some of the sheet film no, i don't it's i've never in. shot it yeah you pull out i've seen the, you use it but yeah, yeah it's really cool it's really really cool and uh, also for folks out there listening you know that uh kickstarter uh wide lux are you familiar with that Mm-hmm. This will also fit in the back of a wire. This 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 holder, which is called the Polaroid Five Four Five, will fit in the back of just about any four by five camera with the spring back. Thing. Yeah, yeah. because uh, the film hold the film yeah. the film holders of four by five are all universal. Right. <laughs> Even if you're not a four by five shooter, exactly. it's so cool. Okay. It is, if you're shooting thirty five or one twenty, like myself, you know what? In a year or two, you'll be surprised because you'll be like, "Oh, I'm going to get that Crown graphic." You may want to then shoot 4x5. Mm-hmm. You kind of yep. grow into it. 
Yeah. I was really excited when I saw this because it was like Impossible was this really cool thing that brought back a dead film format but bringing back 4x5 instant film it's just a couple of guys who have a really good business plan on Kickstarter and it's relatively cheap, and you know it's, it makes it makes me excited for a Kickstarter to bring back 126 film or to bring back yes, all, you know, a black and white pack film, even right. like all kinds of cool stuff. So cool. I mean, there was no Kickstarter for it, but I, I tell you, I was pumped. I think you guys were too when 110 film came back. I know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here, I love f- it. When we yeah. first found the Fukatsu, we were so excited. Oh about my it. god, <laughs> Norman. Poor Norman. Yes. We'll save that for another show. <laughs> we have a topic, whatever happened to. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Kickstarter, Mark stumbled upon, or I stumbled upon, or I got emailed. There's folks out there who are basically printing posters of classic film logos. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Oh, right. That was awesome. Okay, what yeah. is it, Mark? Yeah. Take it away. That's this, really well, cool. This was, yeah, this was a Kickstarter that got funded pretty Ooh, quickly. You can look it up on, on Kickstarter. It's, it's over now by the time this show airs. It's over they were fully funded, but I'm sure if you if you check out his website or you contact him directly, you'll still be able to get them. But this is these amazing, really beautiful, high quality lithographs of you know defunct, classic film labels. Yeah, sort of old film labels, stuff that's out of production, and they're really beautiful. There's uh, there's an Ansco, there's an Efka, there's a couple of uh, Ilf, there's a few Ilfords, there's a Schmina, um, there's an Orvo, and one I've never even heard of, which is Perutz. Oh, I heard Perutz. Peromnia. Yeah. Perutz. Pierogies. Perutes. Yeah. Hey. hey, as a matter of fact, we have an old spot that we roll in once in a while. Oh, well, there you go. Let's Throw in the Perutes. Yeah. Enjoy your color slides as never before with new Perutes color film. Brilliant natural colors, wide exposure latitude. Yes, now with new exclusive plastic mounts for better slide projection. Perutes, now processed faster than any other film. Perutes. Um, and then uh, he's he just added a... Uh, a I've never known if it's GAF or GAF, whether you're supposed to GAF. spell it out. It is GAF. Okay. So he just added a GAF, and <laughs> yes. uh, um, he's actually – he tried to get – according to his uh, his notes, he tried to get some Kodak, but they wouldn't give him the rights to it. He's currently waiting to hear back from uh, Fujifilm about getting uh, um, a couple different Fujis, including the FB3000B. Oh, so that'd a, be great! A full wall that would be pretty cool. The FB three thousand B package, which would be really that's a great idea. Yeah. Wow! Um, and I got the Ansco. There's something about the Ansco one that just called to me, so yeah. I got the Ansco. Ansco's got a real classic look. I always like when you get the cans of uh, their little portrait lenses right. and stuff, little metal cans. It's got that great. Now, how do you on. get there? I mean, you can go to our show notes, filmphotographyproject.com. <laughs> just click on podcast and you'll see the episodes and you'll see show notes yeah if you want to go direct so you know like I said the Kickstarter is over so don't you can go to Kickstarter to look at them but uh, his well, direct you can't purchase them anymore or? his link is at Kickstarter though even though the Kickstarter is yeah, over. Yeah, you, you won't be able to buy them through Kickstarter. But if you want to go directly to him, his, uh-huh. his site is shop.nomodesign.com. And it's N-O-M-O-D-E-S-I-G-N.com. And he, does, he has a whole a bunch of series of different things. He's got some really cool airport runway series he does. He does this um, uh, golf course layout series. So if you're into airplanes or golf, those are kind of cool too. But obviously we're all listening because we're interested in the film thing. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely check it you're out. You're going to acquire some? <clears throat> I, I got the, I, I considered getting all of them or some of them, but I, so far I've gotten the Ansco. And if he adds the FP3000, I'll probably get that. And if where, he adds where are you going to hang it in your house? It's going to go in the studio, I'd assume. I've got, I, you know, I do have a dark room in my house now, so maybe it'll <laughs> go in your dark room. Although that room is just always dark. Put it in your so. dark yeah, room. So. Yeah, and then you put like, you can light it with a red light. 
That'd be great. Exactly. Yeah. Did you see that um, photo I sent you a while back, like maybe two years ago? It was a sign that said, uh, dark room, please keep this door closed. You'll let all the dark out. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Take it away, Mike. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> to, you know... They're be- I mean, it's, it's just pictures, but total be- they are beautiful. Up. I mean, that is yeah, total exactly. it is, It's an awesome time to be involved with film photography because when you see these start, you know, startups like the New 55, I mean, it's just amazing. You yeah. know, elements that don't exist. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm very excited about the New 55 because mm. yeah, I have my holder. I own two 4x5 You're just sitting cameras. there waiting. You're just sitting there waiting with sweaty yeah. palms. That's- <laughs> Even the, the prototypes they show are like made with duct tape and cardboard, and the pictures that they take are beautiful. Yeah. So. When it goes into production, it seems like they've already got it. Yeah. Have you been shooting with your 4x5 lately? Yes. Actually, I just got 100 sheets of uh, Holy chromo, uh, what's it called? Oh, did you get it cut, cut properly? Yeah, I got. I sent it to, got it cut and notched, nice. and I've been shooting with that. It's like super high What are you contrast. shooting? Um, I, I was actually just shooting some outdoor stuff, um, and the, the negative came back. I mean, I developed it myself, but when I, when I pulled it out, I thought, oh my God, I ruined it. It's like 75% completely transparent and 25% pure black. It's Love like, it. Love well, it looks that. like a Rorschach test. Holy smokes. That's but when I stuff. scanned it in, there actually are a lot of shades of gray that I wow. couldn't see. And it's like, it literally looks like the, the picture was shot in like 1950. Did you shoot the wrong That's cool. ISO? Uh, the ISO, Welcome I, to I the shot, presence. I shot the ISO correctly. 25? It's uh, 15. 15. And I know that the ISO was right, which is why I had to shoot it outside on a sunny day. Mm. But um, I don't have the developing guidelines, so I was just Uh, making a guess. I'm sorry. Is it black and white? Yes. Is it negative or is it uh, like paper? No, it's negative. Okay, negative. Nice and thick. Yeah, Oh, I don't have a sheet with me now, but it's it's actually pretty thin base. It it feels pretty flimsy. Because Ilford makes a positive paper. You load oh, it yeah. in, you shoot it, and then you develop in the tray. and then Really? Yeah. Mm, that's wow. cool. I might have to get some of that, yeah, too. Yeah. I'll tip you off man. on that. Yeah. See you later. Hey, Rest I of the th- spectrum. I want to thank everyone for listening <laughs> as we move closer to our FPP. Two weeks. <laughs> our FPP meetup, Ooh. our walking workshop in Findlay, Ohio, which is you know less than a month away. Let's roll on the spot. Folks out there listening, you can still go. Yeah, don't be a schmo. <laughs> Here's the spot. Bring your Lomo. Hey, this is Michael Rosso, and a lot of you folks have been asking, Hey man, when's the 2014 FPP Walking Workshop? FPP Walking Workshop. Head on over to filmphotographyproject.com, and right on our homepage is all the information about the FPP Walking Workshop 2014 in Finlay, Ohio, this May. That's right. Come on out and join myself, Matt Marash. Leslie Lazenby, Jeff Salisbury from Finlay University, and some surprise guests, the Jersey Jersey Boys. Boys. That's right. Come on out. This will be our only FPP meetup in 2014. So mark the date in your calendar and come on out. If you're listening to this in an archive and the date has passed, go to filmphotographyproject.com and just search Walking Workshop 2014 to read and see all the highlights. Thanks very much, and I look forward to seeing you. That's right, yeah. Yeah.
Yo. So we're all, everyone here at the table is going to be, this is the only opportunity this year to see all the FPP, the whole gang, not a splintered group. No. The whole gang. It's like seeing the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that. If you're an FPP fan, you got myself, John, Dane, Mark. It's like seeing the Rolling Stones with Brian Johnson, like all dead. Jones. Like Jones. Johnson. What's his name? What? The football Brian player? Jones? Brian, Brian Jones. Jones. Matt Mirage. Oh, that's the guy from the Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Wilson? Brian Jesus, how many <laughs> names do you got to mess up there? Who's the guy, Brian, from the Beach Boys? Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. He's no, alive. Mr. Johnson. Bruce Johnson. Bruce Johnson. Oh, I guess. Yeah, Brian I, I made a Frankenstein. Leslie Lazenby's right, going to be there. But the, hopefully the Strudel's going to be there. Who? Lauren? They'll have Strudel in the breakfast morning? <laughs> and also, we, no, we're not vending there. It's not, we, it's not like a convention where we're going to have a table to buy stuff. Hmm. So if you need a T-shirt, an FPP T-shirt, which are now available, make sure you go to filmphotographyproject.com. <laughs> Go to the store button and, you know, stock hit, up. Hit that button. Store button. Then buy the shirt. <laughs> you can also go to filmphotographyproject.com. Right on the homepage, you'll see FPP Walking Workshop. But we need to, see you, we need to see you in Finlay, Ohio. Yeah, heck yeah. It's going to be an amazing time. Do you know how many people so far fi- we have uh, already, so, uh, signed up? We already have over 50 people signed up. Okay. So listen, we're going to see you in two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. And so then we're going to see you two weeks plus yeah. in Ohio. Uh, Be there. Filmphotographyproject.com.
just like your clothes Play some songs 